am so excited about Organifi Glow. It's a delicious raspberry lemonade blend that hydrates the skin, moisturizes, and supports your body's natural collagen production and elasticity. Your best complexion starts on the inside. Drink this vegan superfood blend daily to help promote a radiant, refreshed look. Plus, it's rich in antioxidants to fight wrinkle-causing free radicals. Organifi has a ton of delicious Organifi blends you can try. Just add to water, stir with a spoon, and enjoy any time for more energy, nutrition, hormone balance, and peace of mind. They're a great way to jumpstart your morning, energize your afternoon, or nourish your evening in a healthy way without all the sugar. And the best part is that you can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank with a price that works out to less than $3 a day. Head over to www.organifi.com slash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your entire order. That's www.organifi.com slash best of you. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Allison and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Best of You podcast. I am so glad you're here. We are starting a new series today. It's a series about what we call liminal spaces. These are seasons of transition where we've left something behind, but we're not yet sure exactly what's coming next. We all go through these seasons, and it's really important to understand what they are so that you can equip yourself to cope with them. Because if you don't recognize you're in a liminal space, you're in a season of transition, you might not understand why you're feeling a little bit more anxious or a little bit more emotional or a little bit more fearful than normal. And when you begin to understand that you're going through something, you're in one of these in-between places, it helps to normalize what you're experiencing, adjust your expectations of yourself and give yourself the care that you need. These transitions, these liminal spaces are not talked about enough. And yet in my work as a therapist, as a friend, and just in my own life, I see how important it is to recognize and notice when you're in one of these spaces. These transitional seasons are marked by an external event, a change. It could be a friend moving away. It could be a child starting school for the first time. It could be a child leaving home for the first time. It could be the end of a relationship. It could also be starting a new relationship. You're taking a risk. You're opening up to the possibility of getting to know someone, but you're not yet sure where that relationship is going to lead. It could be leaving a job where you've left something behind and you're not yet sure where you're going to end up next. It could also be starting a new job where there's been a change and you have a period of time where you're adjusting to this change. It can happen when you leave a church or when you move. It's any transition where something happens outside of you that ushers in a season of change where you have to sit with uncertainty. You don't know yet exactly what the lay of the land is going to look like. You're not sure yet who your safe people are. You're not sure yet 
whether or not you can trust this person that you're slowly letting into your life. You're not sure yet what your day-to-day routines are going to look like in light of this change. These transitional places are hard. We don't often give ourselves permission to have an adjustment season to feel a lot of conflicting emotions. And we have to care for ourselves in very specific and unique ways when we're going through these seasons. Now, in the field of psychology, we often use this term adjustment to describe these transitional spaces or these liminal spaces. In fact, in the diagnostic manual that therapists and psychologists use to generate diagnoses, there's a category called adjustment disorders. Now, I don't like that it's called a disorder because it's normal for humans to experience heightened anxiety or even some heightened depression when you're going through an adjustment. But what that diagnostic category means is that these heightened emotions that you're experiencing aren't due to an underlying mental health issue. They're directly related to this change. There's an identifiable external stressor or change that has evoked these feelings of stress or these heightened emotions. And the way that we respond to change or to a stressor is very much impacted by our personality style, as we've discussed back in episode 49. They're impacted by our family of origin and our experience learning how to tolerate change, how to tolerate uncertainty. Do we have these skills built into us because we've had to learn them along the way? They're influenced by our trauma history, our attachment wounds, because we feel untethered, especially if you're dealing with a change in a primary relationship. And it is my belief that in our modern American culture, we do not normalize these seasons of transition. It is normal to feel uncertain or a little bit anxious or a little bit disoriented when you're going through a season of change. And so in this series, we want to talk about these transitional seasons. We want to give you some examples. We want to talk about some of what is normal to experience and equip you with a different perspective and some ways of coping if you find yourself in one of these seasons. And most of all, I want to heighten your awareness to this reality so that if you're feeling some of these things, you will be gentle with yourself and understand that this season that you're in serves a purpose. And you can surrender to the process of this season instead of fighting against yourself or beating yourself up. And so for this series, I've asked my friend Rowena Day, who is also a spiritual director, to join me in talking about these transitions. You've heard from Rowena before on the podcast. She joined us for episode 63, all about spiritual direction, and episodes 44 and 31 about peacekeeping and also about anger. Rowena is a writer, an artist, and a spiritual director. She's also the mom of four young children. And I'm so excited to bring you our conversation today all about transitions. I'm so glad you're here, Rowena. I love these conversations that you and I have. I get so much feedback whenever I have you on the podcast. You're our most frequent guest. We so appreciate your wisdom. We've been talking a lot, you and I, about transitions, these different seasons of life. You and I are both in pretty intense seasons of transition in different ways in our own lives. We've talked about before, you have really young kids. I have adult kids. We're in different seasons of life, which makes it helpful as conversation partners sometimes because we each can have a better perspective on the other. But tell me a little bit about why you've been thinking so much about transitions. What brought this topic top of mind for you? 
You know, I think there was sort of an unspoken expectation that I don't know if it's just the culture we live in or just my own development, but I assumed that in my late 30s, surely that would be a period of stability after, you know, having the 20s be just a a really significant decade of making lots of major life decisions. And so there's sort of an expectation, like once you kind of clear that hurdle, you're kind of headed into several decades of stability, surely. (laughs) And so to find that yet again, you're kind of thrown into another period of transition, it can be very disorienting and can add a lot of layers of inner distress and just really diving into this subject and through my work in spiritual direction, you know, with my director and then also with directees, just really getting to explore this topic a lot and being really fascinated with it. There's just a lot of transitions we go through in our lifetime and they don't really end just because you've reached adulthood. They just become sort of new transitions as you get older and sort of accepting that reality has just created a lot more ease in the transition process. And so for me, just a couple of big transitions happening specifically, I think just kind of coming to the end of a 10-year period of raising four young kids and kind of seeing, oh, wow, this really doesn't last forever. Whereas when you're kind of in the thick of it, it just feels like this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. (laughs) These kids are always going to be young. And you watch them grow and change and you grow and change and your spouse grows and change and then your marriage needs to grow and change and it's ever evolving. And so that is just one element of change, you know, just living in a very transitory city and having that be just constantly evolving and changing around me and just the dynamic environment that it is and the and the joy and excitement, but also the loss of community from time to time as people uproot and move and the loss of really dear friends, vocational decisions needing to change and morph as I grow and realizing the things that I used to do might not be the things that are on the horizon for me, but not quite knowing yet what those are. You know, seeing parents get older and just sort of wrestling with, you know, their mortality, my own mortality, just lots of life to really grapple with. And so kind of removing the assumption that it's going to be a period of stability at least helps to recognize that this is normal. That just as when you're a kid, you have growing pains in your leg, those growing pains kind of become internalized and you have kind of spiritual, personal, developmental growing pains. And if we bypass that or ignore it or feel shame or self-judgment or self-contempt for going through it, we are just adding unnecessary pain to the necessary pain of just growing as humans. Yeah, I love that you named that. My mom used to say when I was a kid growing up, I'd you know be processing something and she'd say, oh, you're going through something. And whenever she would name that, it would be calming to me because mm-hmm. naming essentially what you're saying, you're going through a season, it's growth. Or maybe I started high school, you know, at that age, you know, you move from middle school to high school. It's a transition. Something has to sell. And I remember that vividly. You know, in my life, we're going through almost empty nest. We've had about four huge transitions all simultaneously as the result of the pandemic, moving and empty nest kind of all colliding at once. And again, just naming that as a couple, oh, this is a big transition helps to sort of calm the nervous system and recognize, okay, we're going to feel a little disoriented 
for a while, that's okay. That's normal. It names this space, this season, so that you adjust the expectations that you have of yourself, of your spouse, of your partner, maybe of your friends. Like you alluded to, you do have seasons of relative stability, And sometimes, and I'll say in my own case, we didn't realize how stable those years from when our kids were in junior high all the way through high school, how relatively stable things were until they weren't anymore, you know, until suddenly we're in a season of transition and we're like, oh, the ship was just kind of cruising along. Not that we weren't dealing with things and didn't have challenges, but for the most part, there was a season of stability, which we almost didn't realize until it wasn't there. Tell me a little bit for you. How do you recognize, especially when you're in the thick of raising little kids, how do you recognize, oh, I'm going through a transition. I'm going through something. I think often it's from that felt sense of discomfort in our bodies. Like, why do I feel a little bit off? What is this feeling? And trying to name it and just kind of wrestling with that internal disorientation. I think that's sort of the biggest cue is that our bodies sort of show like we are going through a passage and to move through it, it's going to require different sensations in your body. Mm -hmm. And it requires attuning to those sensations and naming it with yourself through journaling with God or through prayer and with other people and just getting it out in front of you Mm -hmm. and kind of being able to see it and hold it and look at it and say, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And it just facilitates such greater self-understanding and compassion, just starts to unlock a whole journey of paradoxes and holding a lot of things in tension, discomfort with growth and stripping away of old identities or false selves or old patterns and ways of being that are not serving you well, that you need to kind of grow and mature into something different. And so it's just, I think, a really kind of confusing and scary terrain a lot of times. And I don't think it's very normalized in our society. It's just sort of like there's an external change and then you should adapt pretty quickly. And if you don't adapt, then what's wrong with you? Exactly. And it really requires like a whole lot of space and time to have that internal adjustment process to the external change. What are some examples of those very concrete external changes that can trigger these periods of transition? I think there's a lot of hardship and difficulties that externally can happen. And then there's also lots of positive change that can also create disorientation. And that can be sometimes even more distressing because you're thinking, I just got a new job. I just had a baby. Like I just moved to a new city and they are good things. And also it does require like a significant shift to adapt to that new reality. And so I think it's important to name that, that there can be good things that happen in life that cause a lot of disorientation. And then it's a little more obvious that the hardship is going to cause disorientation and distress. So that could be, you know, the loss of a job or the loss of a family member, you know, friends moving away, turning a new decade in life, having a health challenge or crisis, a financial hardship getting divorced or loss of a friendship, you know, children leaving to go to school or leaving the nest, retirement, you know, just there's a lot that we have to navigate. And the expectation that we should be okay, I think, can be a detriment because it is necessary that we have times of feeling like we're not quite okay. And being able to accept that as okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. and normal that it's not to kind of reduce the fear around the distress 
That's right. Because the wrestling that occurs during these transition, I'm I'm tempted to use this word from psychology, these liminal places, these in-between places. I write about this Mm -hmm. in my new book coming out, these spaces. And, you know, there's one illustration from the Bible of a major transition is when the Israelites leave Egypt. They come out of slavery and they're headed to the promised land. And a lot of us speak of that metaphorically, you know, that place of stability, that place of promise we all want to be. But there's this prolonged season in between where they're kind of roaming around the wilderness. And one of the ways some psychologists look at that is that liminal place is they're actually adjusting. They're adjusting to what's it like to be a people who are no longer in slavery and are preparing to be in this new place. And so these passageways, these transitions, these liminal places are really normal. That's a big example. But I love how you describe there's positive examples. I think sometimes things like an engagement period or even a pregnancy, those are sort of built in adjustment periods that are normalized in the sense of you're leaving a single life to get married. So we've named this liminal space, this transitional season where you adjust or a gestation period. You know, you found out you're pregnant and now you've got nine months that's named where in those particular instances, they are more normalized. Right. People tend to be a little bit more like, oh, wow, this is a big change, you know, We've got a name for it. You know, we're honoring that you're going to feel some anxiety. You're Mm going to be going through changes, right? But for so many of these other things, just as you said, they're not named. We're just expected to hit the ground running. I remember in my 30s when I moved to Boston for the first time, and I was just so disoriented. I had no idea. I was single. I didn't know how to engage community, how to find friends. And so I enlisted the support of a therapist, which is a really normal thing to do during these transitional seasons. And she told me, and it was so helpful to me. She just named it. She said, oh, it'll take you about three years. It'll take you about three years to adjust to being in a new city. And it just anchored me. I mean, you might think that that might be discouraging. It was not discouraging. It felt true. I was like, that feels about right. This is a big change. And that naming gave me just that courage and that settling of, okay, I've got some work to do. It's going to take a while. It's normal. And I just love that you're naming that this is not just in response to that hardship, although that's certainly a big part of it. Mm-hmm. These are just seasons of life where it's really normal. And I just want the listener to hear that it is so normal to experience some heightened anxiety, some sadness, a lot of emotions, a feeling of isolation. And there's nothing wrong with you if you're feeling those things. Instead, it's actually normal. It's healthy to experience some of this internal conflict, some of this uncertainty, because you're adjusting your whole body, your mind, your heart, your soul, your body has to adjust to new realities. Yeah. And I just want to add one more that I think is really an important one for lots of folks. But if you're single and you're desiring to be with someone and you're just finding like, I'm in a new decade and I'm still single. And so that in itself is a transition because you're desiring and and wanting for change, but it's this weird, you're sort of continuing the phase that you're in that you don't want to be in. And that brings its own transition and difficulty. So just wanted to name that also, because it can feel like marriage and babies are like these significant transitions. And the reality that single people go through too is full of it. 
Same with wanting children or not having children. Mm -hmm. I love that you named that these decades, entering into new decades, age, Mm -hmm. can be a really big transition, especially for women. The 40s can be a big transition. Hitting the 50s can be a transition and beyond. And the same thing with, you know, we talk about the biological clock. I know even for me, hitting big decades, I don't have biological children, Mm -hmm. can bring about some of this anxiety, this, oh, I've got to adjust to the reality that I'm a different age. And what does that mean for me at this particular period of time? And just naming that, I've had some big ones with birthdays. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that you're naming that. Oh, yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. The truth is all relationships need work and therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face, whether with friends, colleagues, your significant other or anyone. Therapy can teach you communication skills. It can teach you assertiveness. If you have trouble advocating for yourself within your relationships, it can be a place you set aside to work through challenges regularly, even in your relationships that are going well. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash best of you today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash best of you. A recent survey found that seven in 10 parents get an average of just three hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year. Moms, you deserve to have quality sleep. And I know one thing that will help. It's Cozy Earth. You can discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code BESTOFYOU for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology that adapts to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. And they use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. The best part is Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of their products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. They're built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code BESTOFYOU for an exclusive 35% off. The luxury she deserves. Cozy Earth. So, Rowena, are we always in transition? Yes and no, I think. We are in alternating periods of change and stability. And so when we're in the midst of stability, kind of like when leaves change color, you try to watch it, but you can't quite see it. So I think even in changes in times of stability, there's slow things that are slowly changing, but you just, you feel stable, but there's growth happening deep down that is going to propel you into a period of transition later on. But just recognizing that we really do face a lifetime of transition and it's not just from becoming a child to an adult, but that the adult life is full of transitions all the way until, you know, we die. And so just coming to terms with that and accepting that reality, I think, is really the first step in understanding that, yes, I desire to be in stable periods. And also the reality of life is that the seasons have cycles, the earth rotates around the sun every year and things just 
they come and they go and then they come back and it's just in different forms and in different ways. And so there's going to be periods in life where there's a lot of upheaval. And I found it really fascinating that the word develop means unfolding, much like a flower. And just kind of watching flowers unfold and seeing even on the same bush, different flowers at different states has been oddly captivating for me in times of transition, just going for a walk. Those are times that I feel much more attuned with nature and just like looking at the moon and phases of the moon and watching the clouds like slowly drift by, like suddenly these things become very interesting (laughs) and sort of outer representations of things that are happening internally. So yeah, I think just the alternating rhythms of expansion and contraction, change and stability, which uh, William Bridges names in his book, Transitions, Making Sense of Life's Changes, which is a phenomenal read and just really helpful in normalizing these periods of significant change after being in a period of stability. So it seems as if listening to you, and, and I love how you're bringing in nature. If you think about the seasons, we're in winter right now. And so there is a relative stability to that. And also simultaneously, things are happening that are preparing the earth for spring, mm-hmm. right? So we might experience that stability for a period of time. And we're always kind of moving toward growth. And that's a good thing because the reality is we're either moving toward growth or we're moving toward decay. We are moving and we want to be moving toward growth. And so transitions, those phases, those seasons are actually a part of growth. When we learn how to kind of have that psychological agility, that flexibility that I hear you describing as we're honoring the seasons of stability, where there's some structures, there's some ways, and also simultaneously not getting rigid. We're prepared for when things are going to change. I think once we can release the struggle and the fight against the transition, then that starts to really unlock a lot of growth. And it doesn't take away the discomfort, but the struggle and the fighting against it is what creates just a lot more distress. And once we can kind of come to a place of acceptance that all of life is letting go until the final letting go and just realizing that is profound and trying to learn to hold things very loosely, just ourselves as we age, the people we love as they age, and just having to release again and again and again ourselves and the people we love to the process of change. It's hard. I love that you just said that, that part of what helps ease the feelings of uncertainty and the feelings of confusion and inner turmoil that can come with a transition is honoring that it's normal to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Because when we beat ourselves up, that we're not transitioning better, that we're not just figuring it all out more quickly, it actually makes it worse. We feel worse as opposed to, oh, I'm going through something. Of course I feel this way. Of course I'm disoriented. My friends just moved or we just switched churches or my kids aren't home as much. And suddenly I have more hours in the day and I'm not sure how to use those hours or my kids are home more, and suddenly I feel very constricted and like I don't have any time to myself, whatever the thing is, to give yourself that space to go, oh, it's normal to feel disoriented. It's normal to feel a little tension. 
And that's okay. Mm -hmm. The goal isn't to get yourself to not feel that way. The goal is to name, oh, this is a transition. It's going to take me a minute to find my way through it, but I will. I will find my way through it. And part of the way I will find my way through it is by honoring that it's normal to feel the way I feel. Yeah, that it's okay to not feel okay all of the time. And You know, there's this fascinating study that the University College London did about the pain of uncertainty. And they found that humans would rather have a 100% chance of an electrical shock versus a small percent chance of having an electrical shock. Like if they could have certainty that there would be pain, that was preferable to a low percentage. So the uncertainty of pain was worse than the certainty of pain. <laughs> that is so interesting. So hilarious. Yes. And that this is just so true for all humans. And that's right. just really learning to be compassionate with ourselves that uncertainty is hard and it's okay for it to be hard and it's, it's normal. What are some of the different phases of a transition? I really found William Bridges' book on transitions extremely helpful to name that there's always an ending and then a neutral zone or a liminal space or a wilderness period, depending on which name you prefer. And then then there's the new beginning. And so those stages cannot really be ignored or bypassed. They just, they are a part of the process. And so coming to terms with endings is the first part of the transition, acknowledging what has been, who you were at that phase of life and honoring that and kind of letting that go. And sort of trusting that the ending is clearing a path for an unexpected beginning and new growth and just sort of expecting that there are going to be lots of endings in life and developmentally they're expected, you know, every 10 years as we reach a new decade, these times of readjustment and renewed commitments. And we've talked about this a bit already, but they can initiate a lot of inner distress and normalizing that I found the word positive disintegration to be very helpful in naming like, yes, I feel disintegrated, but this is net positive in the long run. Um, It is leading to good things. Can you give me an example, Rowena, of an ending from your own life? I mean, I've had a couple of really significant transitions these past couple of years. The one that's on the horizon and that's kind of happening for me now is being at the tail end of raising four young kids and seeing that that part of my life is is over. And sure, I have lots of parenting ahead of me and lots of joy ahead and lots of new stages, but it does require a little bit grieving of what was and the life that I've known, the person that I was back then and how I've been so changed and just recognizing both the being excited about the new possibilities on the horizon while not being quite sure exactly what they are, what that means in seeing our youngest on the, you know, on the cusp of eventually going to school and being like, wow, I'm not, I'm not going to have young kids at home anymore. Like this is a really significant transition. And it just, it brings such a level of bittersweetness, I think in sort of relishing every day with this knowledge and this feeling in my body, like this is coming to an end. And that means they're growing into new phases, which I will enjoy, but I'm just in this really remarkable passage after 10 years of being with babies and toddlers. And it's like, I don't want to stay there forever. I loved it. And it was hard. And it's just a lot all at one time to hold all the different parts of me as they feel different things about this really major transition. I love that you're naming that. That's just such a great example of 
being aware of feeling a little bit disoriented and having to kind of look at your life and go, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. Because I've named that there's an ending, mm-hmm. it allows me to cherish this season while I have it. Yeah, There's an ending that's going to be really beautiful and also evokes a lot of emotions about the ending and that that's, again, normal. The complexity of those emotions are really normal. So I love what you're saying. We have to be aware of these endings. In a way, the awareness of the ending forces us into the present moment to face the reality of where we are. So what are these other phases then? So the next phase is sort of heading into the neutral zone or the liminal space where you're your old life isn't quite what you have, but you also don't really have your new life yet. You're just in the passage period, in the middle. And these are the places in life that we most want to skip over. And the two traps that Bridges identifies in his book is the trap of fast forward or reverse. It's like, we want to go back to where we were, kind of like the Israelites were like, send us back to Egypt (laughs) or send us to the promised land, but like, don't leave us in this middle zone. And so, yeah, I think, There's a lot of discomfort for human beings of being in this period of emptiness and somewhat nothingness where you feel like, I'm not as productive as I used to be. I should be more productive. There can be a lot of shoulds around it. It can feel very lonely and isolating. We wonder, does anyone else feel this way? What happened to my old self that felt so much more stable? Why have I gotten older and become less sure? It can be profoundly disorienting and it can feel frightening and it's agonizing because you don't know the length of time that will be in this place. And we're often tempted to skip it, bypass it, avoid it, numb it. Mm. But it's a road that insists on being walked. And when we don't, we just punt the difficulty to deal with in a later decade. And so it's important that we, we have courage and we have people alongside of us to offer empathy and wisdom and listening and care in these places that we don't feel rushed to get through them because the more we try to fast forward, the more it can actually kind of prolong it. (laughs) So actually kind of accepting it and easing into it is paradoxically the way to kind of allow it to move at its pace that it needs to go. I love that. And so these are really profound times of renewal. Oftentimes the neutral zone is the only place capable of giving us new ways of seeing a deeper reality within and around us. And Bridges points out that it's a succession of these neutral zones over our lifetime that produces wisdom. And so that's really encouraging that these feel like they're periods of nothingness and like what is happening. Feeling like you don't have a lot of motivation to do anything, but you're just sort of existing and being and just observing a lot and just being like, what am I doing in this place? Mm. Those are really powerful. You are doing something, even though it feels disorienting and much of what you're doing is allowing the spaciousness for the different parts of you to adjust and align and observe and begin to process and metabolize what's happened. Yeah. It's so interesting. And when you're out the other side of it, and I want to get to that third phase, you're aware of that. I've been through that a lot myself this last year where suddenly I'm starting to come out the other side and I'm like, oh, all that time that I felt disoriented or unproductive or kind of pulling back. Oh, there's fruit that's starting to come from that. I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see what I need to do. I'm starting to see where I need to go. I'm starting to make sense. Yes. As a potter, I find that imagery really helpful because it's like we have been a very useful pot. And then all of a sudden we find like we're a lump of clay again. Like we can't see what we're going to be turned into next. 
And so we just are like, why am I regressing to a lump of clay? When in reality, God is the potter and he's reforming and reshaping something new. And I love that verse in Isaiah that says something like, behold, can you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. I love that. And if we can just hold on to that ability to trust God in the process of these significant periods of upheaval and transition, knowing that he is doing a new thing, he's going to make us into a new pot and it'll have perhaps different uses that we didn't have when we had our old pot. And so that will produce lots of emotions and agony, but also lots of good. And it's just enduring and persevering through the necessary, uncomfortable middle zone. Love that. It's Super Bowl season, and there's one thing that's just as important as the big game itself. It's what's on your plate while you watch the action unfold. And that's where our friends at Good Ranchers come in. Good Ranchers is all about delivering top-quality, 100% American meat and seafood right to your doorstep so that you can enjoy America's best on your game days and your days off. Whether you're grilling up some juicy burgers, savory steaks, tender chicken, or looking for amazing pork and wild-caught seafood, Good Ranchers has you covered. Trust me, their meat is amazing and their commitment to sourcing from local independent American farms means you're not just enjoying steakhouse-quality food, you're supporting hardworking farmers across the nation with each bite. Save 10% today on any box, plus get free express shipping with code BESTOFYOU. Skip the meat aisle and order from Good Ranchers to experience the unbeatable flavor and quality of 100% American meat. Remember, use code BESTOFYOU for 10% off plus free express shipping. Go to GoodRanchers.com today and change the way you buy meat for good. GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. Getting high-quality food and household essentials delivered right to my doorstep, whether it's my favorite Dave's Killer Bread, incredible wine, or seventh-generation cleaning supplies has been a game-changer for me. I love that Thrive Market only allows trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting thousands of harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And with just a few clicks, I can filter out ingredients that I don't want, like gluten or high sugar content, making it so easy to find the items I need for my family. Best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash you for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash you. thrivemarket.com slash you. So we finally get to, what's the good news? Where do we finally arrive at the other side of this? Yes. So then eventually we find ourselves kind of in a new beginning, a new phase of stability. I love there's a time for everything, a time to to be uprooted, a season to sow, just all of the complexities in that passage of there's a time for everything. And so eventually we'll find that Once we've endured the middle zone, that we are slowly, like buds growing on a tree, changing into a new phase of our life. And that can sort of start to feel like more of an ease in our bodies and our nervous system, more of an acceptance of, okay, this is who I am now at 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever it is. And it's mysterious. I mean, I don't think this is something we can totally control. It's something that we kind of surrender to. And through the surrendering, some mysterious shaping is happening that gets us 
to a place of a new beginning. But it does require a lot of honesty, a lot of feeling our feelings and naming them and not avoiding them. So that's where I want to end this conversation. We're going to come back. We've got lots more to dive into in some of these specific transitions. But what do we do when we're in one of these seasons where we're feeling so disoriented, like, I don't know who I am anymore. And I love how you said there's a part of me that wants to go back. I want what I had. I don't know what's ahead. Mm -hmm. And so in that space, what do we do? What are the ways we cope? You know, if we think about that metaphor of the clay, I mean, some of it is we just have to wait it out. But there are also things we can do that lend itself to that process of being shaped, where we're surrendering ourselves actively to that process with God. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things we do? Yeah, so I think it's really important to sort of structure some alone time where you can just sort of notice your thoughts, notice the sensations in your body, journaling, going for long walks, just observing nature, perhaps going on a retreat, for any length of time, just somewhere that you can find some beauty and something that's a little out of your everyday reality to kind of help your mind and your heart and your body process what you're going through to really take note of your experience and your feelings and accept your need for being in this place. And to notice when you're feeling those feelings of shame or self-judgment or self-contempt and to to notice and name those and as best we can be gentle with ourselves with that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm also noticing like a lot of shoulds and a lot of condemnation. And so just naming that and kind of allowing that to exist can slowly kind of transform it. I find myself watching my potted plants in my house grow new leaves and just being like, wow, look at those cute little leaves. Just gives me such hope. To see things growing and to see the parts of a tree that I have pruned back with shears then double into two new branches instead of the one that used to be there. And just having these these plants in my house that just give me such hope and just watching nature, I think, is really profound feeling the I find myself looking at the moon a lot and just the moon evokes so much change in the ocean and, you know, with gravity and it's a force of stability and also of change. And so I just find myself watching like this moon has always been there and always will be there. And it is just this kind of forgotten about object in the sky. <laughs> but it's just so anchoring to me to observe it and observe it move around and to kind of witness its stability at the same time, which just kind of helps anchor me in the earth. <laughs> I love that. There's a way in which this whole thing you're describing is when we recognize and we name, oh man, I'm going through something. I'm in something that is hard that I don't quite understand. When we honor that, we give it a name. This is a transition. We begin to almost slow down enough to become more aware of the beauty around us, the little things around us, which is really a spiritual practice. It's being more connected to God with us in that sense of what is it today? And I think about the manna in the wilderness, you know, uh -huh. where that was sort of the, this is my daily bread. It forces us right into that present moment. We can't get ahead of ourselves. We can't get behind ourselves. We have to be very, very focused on the one step in front of us, the one thing in front of us, the journey of today. Yes. What do I need 
today. There's something so powerful about that. Slowing down and being so present, just the feeling in this moment, just the task of this moment, you know, the feeding of myself in this moment, you know, whatever it is, it's paradoxical. We almost want to escape the moment, but it's the slowing down and being fully present to us that actually moves us through it to a better place. Yes. And there's a real invitation, I think, in these seasons to kind of come back home to ourselves in our bodies. And those feelings of discomfort and disorientation are hard and they're also a gift. It's something that your body is feeling. And so it sort of helps reconnect your mind with your body and create integration and these periods where you can become more whole because there's so many forces at work in the world to fragment our minds from our bodies. And God in his wisdom is like, I am going to allow these seasonal periods in your life where you can come back home to yourself and back home to your body and find me there, find yourself there. And I mean, it's not always enjoyable, but I have really come to appreciate the gifts that I have found there and feeling like I don't totally know where my home is in the world, but kind of realizing like I am at home in my body and my body is my home as long as I'm on earth and our bodies can't be anywhere but the present. And so our bodies help us come back to the present. And that's where we also find God in the present moment. He's always here, but it's often just our fragmented parts of us that are pulling us and wanting us to produce and perform and just sort of disintegrate and dis connect our bodies from our minds and our souls. So these periods, I think, are tremendously valuable, kind of reestablishing connection with ourselves and with God. I love that. I love that. The most important thing you might do today, if you're feeling a lot of what we've been talking about, you're feeling disoriented, you're feeling unsure of yourself, is that breath that you take of honoring that feeling taking up really good care of your body, being Mm -hmm. aware of what you need in this moment. That is the most important thing you can do to honor yourself and honor God and honor this season that you're in. Thank you so much, Rowena. We have so much more to come. We will be back next week. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Best of You. It would mean so much if you take a moment to subscribe. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. That will ensure you don't miss an episode and it helps get the word out to others. While you're there, I'd love it if you leave your five-star review. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.